how can I love this person so well so that they may see the heart of Christ through me? We're walking around CBU for like an hour and I barely knew him. It was a whole deal. And yeah, then we specified like, that it was a guy. Yeah, it was a guy that oh well, Bella was trying to set me up with. But anyway. <laughs> how do you avoid overextending your stay? And how do you communicate that when hosting guests and the ultimate purpose and goal of hospitality is to love and serve others as if Jesus is coming back tomorrow. <clears throat> Top three qualities in a young man and the three worst qualities. Bella, what are they? Yeah. If anyone knows, I'm just put that out. friends and welcome to Always Invited, a podcast by the Art of Hospitality Co. I'm your host, Kenzie Peters. And I'm your other host, Bella Ponce. We're just two friends with a passion for making people feel valued and empowering them to do the same. Hospitality has become a lost art form in our generation and it's time we reclaim it for what it was truly designed to be. Learn and grow with us as we talk about the purpose, posture, and practice of biblical hospitality alongside other women who inspire and model a lifestyle of service. So, come on in, pull up a chair, and remember, you're always invited. Welcome in and welcome back to the podcast, Always Invited. Just wanted to say hello, and we are so glad you're here, and just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us kind of answer some fun things. So, for this episode... We went on the good old IG to see what you guys have been wanting to know and these burning questions. <laughs> yes, we had so much fun in season one doing a Q&A episode. And so we thought we'd bring it back and get some more questions from you guys. Thank you to everyone who submitted some on Instagram and also in person. And we can't wait to answer them. We're going to do our best. Can't promise that these are expert opinions or expert advice. But we hope that all of the answers are backed by scripture and they're also informed by personal experience and stories and hopefully some of those are entertaining and also just from what we've learned from other people and mentors and friends, um, also the people that we've had on this podcast that we've gotten to interview. We've been learning so much from them. So maybe some of this is review, some of it might be sounding familiar, some of it might be brand new, but hopefully you learn something, hopefully you laugh a little and just come alongside us and learn it. Grow with us. So, without further ado, Bella, let's just jump right into it. This is a fun um, first question, which kind of fits the vibe for the first part or segment of a evening or a gathering. So, let's start with, what is your go-to appetizer that basically appeals to everyone? All right, good foundational appetizer answer is chips, dips, and veggies. Feel free to have a dairy-free dip option as well. I think it is the most safe, most plant-based. People aren't typically allergic to vegetables, so that's a huge blessing. That would be really sad. And another option is chips and salsa. It's always a good staple. gets people talking and munching. It's a great great appetizer to have in the household always on hand i might add um, yes so next question is ken's how do you avoid overextending your stay and how do you communicate 
that when hosting guests, and I know you recently had an experience with that, so I would love to know your wisdom. Oh, goodness. Yes. Unfortunately, from experience, I have learned this. Um, So I would say, first of all, just reading the room and being aware. Um, First, from a guest perspective, let's start there. Like being mindful of the time, especially if your host is starting to clean up and wrap up. um, That might be your cue to kind of pack up your stuff and head towards the door. But it also depends on whether or not you're close to the host um, friendship wise. Like if you're it's a new friendship or you know the person a long time, you probably know what's appropriate and how long to stay. Um, it also might depend on if it's a weeknight or a weekend. I mean, obviously people have to go to work in the morning. Your host would have to go to work in the morning if it's a weeknight. So keeping that in mind and being respectful of your host, um, a lot, making sure that the the host has enough time to clean up and go to bed at a decent time. Cause you, you don't, you have to think about how they're also have a lot to do once you leave. It's not just like, Oh, let's, head out the door and then everything's done. It's like, no, I probably have a whole kitchen to clean up. So then from the host perspective, I would say communicating, you could communicate an end time when you're giving the guests invitation details. However, that could feel too structured. I don't love doing that because it feels like, oh, you need to leave by this time. Um, So there are ways to not set an end time, but try to communicate, okay, we're wrapping up. And that could look like starting to clean up the kitchen or, um, you know, clearing the dishes from the table, even if you don't want to clean right then and there, because you want to be present with your guests and not have them try to help you. Um, but also like naturally turn the conversation towards, you know, closing end of like how you would naturally end a conversation or gathering with someone, even if it's not in your home, you probably start talking about like, Oh, what are you doing tomorrow? What's your weekend look like? Or, um, thank you so much for coming. And like, I had such a great time. I'm so glad we can do this. Let's try to do it again. So that kind of thing, like turning the conversation, um, just to wrap things up more naturally. And then I'd also add, so from personal experience, like Bella mentioned, um, I am living in a house with two other girls. And so I've had to learn that I also have to consider my roommates and what they think is an appropriate time for guests to leave or stay. And I think, in this particular instance recently, I had some friends over for dinner and they stayed longer than what my roommates were expecting. And that was hard because they felt frustrated and like I should have known that they were supposed to leave by that time at night because it was a weeknight. And I just didn't know. We hadn't communicated that set time um, for the guests to be there. And so there was miscommunication and a little bit of frustration. And so I just learned from that experience, like make sure you and your roommates are on the same page. Don't just assume that they have the same end time in mind that you do and just being considerate of them first and foremost because it is their house and ultimately we want to be hospitable to our roommates and the people that we're living with as well as the guests that we're inviting in so it could even be more unnatural and harder to show hospitality toward our own roommates or even our family if we're living with family um but just making sure you're on the same page and being considerate of your roommates and guests. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, hopefully you don't have to learn the hard way and just do what's natural and appropriate and considering everyone involved. So yeah, let's move to the next question. Bella, I know we've talked about this a little bit in past episodes, but the question is how to create a good flow when hosting. 
Yes. So I love this question because it kind of accumulates everything that we've talked about in past episodes. So feel free to search the archive for some more detailed information. But the SparkNotes version overall, I would say creating a cozy and functional space that makes people feel comfortable. So for me, I always like to think, would this person feel loved and cared for and well-served in this environment? If that looks like putting out a couple more pillows or lighting a candle, these are practical things that we could be doing to create a good flow in the atmosphere. Another thing to consider is lighting food choices that accommodate guests, so being intentional with those food choices, considering allergies, music choices, and most importantly, staying present with your guests. Oh my goodness, making them feel loved and seen through conversation. Yeah, that's so good. And I'd also add, like, if you're looking for kind of a run of show or a framework to plan your your evening or gathering around, um, again, we've talked about this in the past, but just a summary, I would say, like, planning your, your gathering around the context of a meal is really helpful. So if your guests are arriving for dinner, I would say set the time of arrival, like, 30 minutes before you plan to eat. So that way you have time to get the last minute's things on the table, um, get the guests in. They might arrive late, so allowing time for that. Um, and also, if you're, like, planning a meal that has to be hot on the table, you don't want to assume that your, your guests will be on time. So adding buffer is good. And then once they arrive, you sit down to eat, who knows how long that could take let it run naturally and then I'd say I like it when guests or when hosts allow time between dessert or dinner and dessert because my grandma bless her heart sometimes she's like as soon as dinner's over it's like dessert is on the table I'm like I'm so full grandma but I really want to eat this so maybe that's just personal preference but I would I would advise adding buffer between the dinner and dessert and then and also I mean not everyone has to have dessert but I think it's a great addition to the run of show who doesn't love that so um dessert and then you know if it's a an evening thing then and like I mentioned earlier having a, a loose expectation of when people will leave but again kind of closing out the evening in the ways that I mentioned before so that's just an easy run of show that could kind of easily um help you structure your time so yeah so good Next question is, Ken's. what are some red flags when hosting or things to avoid? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say, which we already mentioned briefly, um, cleaning up when guests are still present. I know everyone has their own way of doing things, and maybe it stresses you out to leave things in the kitchen or in the sink. But for me personally, and even Ashley on our last, last episode mentioned this, of like that's their family rule is to not clean dishes until everyone leaves. And then they make it a whole family affair and throw on music and clean it up together. So I just think it's it's hard to like clean up and still be present with your guests and also not make them feel bad that they're not helping you. Um, and that would go into as well, just being, or a red flag would be not being present with your guests throughout the evening and not listening well. Um, I'm guilty of this sometimes where I may be distracted by the dinner or things that I'm trying to make sure are happening. And then I'm not really paying attention to a guest when I'm asking them questions. And so I'm like, sometimes I'm like, oh shoot, like I know I asked them this, but I don't remember their answer. And it would be really embarrassing to ask a similar question. So Red flag, I would say that. And what else, Bella? What Do you have any in mind? Yes, being on your phone, either mm-hmm. from the guest perspective or the host perspective, kind of mm-hmm. taglining off what you're saying of being present. 
I think it's super important to hang up and hang out. I always say that, but it's truly a go-to staple in my life. Think about how much more you could love this person by setting your phone aside and going back to intentionally listening. It's so good. Yeah. Hang up and hang out. That should be trademarked under Bella Ponce. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, Bella, what is your go-to board game for hosting? Jenga. I love Jenga. Jenga is so fun. It definitely builds anticipation, gets people out of their comfort zones. And I know Codenames is another fun, popular one for some of my friends. Ken's, what about you? Yes. Um, Classic for apparently Gen Z and Millennial. I didn't know this was a game only known by Gen Zers, but we're not really strangers. I mean, it's been so fun and countless gatherings and even just one-on-one hangouts with friends, like getting to know people deeper. The last dinner party I hosted, we literally played that the entire time. Like once they, cause I like placed the cards around the table um, in the centerpiece and they just have different questions on them. And like, we got to chat through them all evening and it was so fun. Cause like just conversation starters. So not really a game, but it's a fun way to get people engaged. So yeah, Bella, on a more serious note, <laughs> um, how do you love and be welcoming to people when you're hosting someone you don't like or don't enjoy? I love Tea. this question because it is so real and so honest. Yes. And I think a lot of us don't, a lot of people don't talk about it because we feel guilty for admitting, man, it's hard to love this person. Um, so anyways. First step, I would encourage a dear friend of mine to go to the gospel. So think about before knowing Christ, remember how unlovable we ourselves were and still are actively choosing rebellion against a holy and perfect God. Yet being rich in mercy, he steps down from heaven by sending his son to demonstrate the ultimate act of love through dying on the cross, as Romans 5, 8 says. So remembering the gospel, remembering the foundations, how unlovable we were. First John 4, 9 talks about how remembering God's love towards us better enables us to love others. So I would highly recommend choosing to rehearse this truth um, because it's so inspiring and motivating for us to be an extension of the love of Christ towards others. And so remembering that we were loved first in a condition that was unlovable and completely plagued by sin. Hmm. Second one. Go back to the garden. My mentor and also Kenzie's mom always takes takes me back to the garden. First, uh, sorry, not first. Genesis 1 verse 27 states and recognizes that we're all created in God's image. So remembering that this person who may be harder for you to love is no less equal or more important than you in God's eyes. We are all looked at the same through God's eyes. And so the way that you love someone definitely correlates to how we view value in God's creation. So understand what scripture says about God's creation so that we can better hold um, to that. And last but not least, I would say understand how powerful biblical love is, kind of correlates with the gospel. But 1 Peter 4, 8 talks about how love covers a multitude of sins. Luke 6, 27, Jesus is talking about loving your enemies and doing good to those um, that hate us, that are difficult to love, because that's so much more powerful. And Matthew 5, 48 talks about the greater love in our spiritual lives for loving someone who it may be hard to love. 
And so I think taking yourself back, looking at the bigger picture here, what is the overarching theme? Well, we're being sanctified to look more like Christ. So through a challenge, man, how can I love this person so well so that they may see the heart of Christ through me? And it's a great challenge because we are once again being sanctified and um, it's just so important and it's a great exercise for our faith. So it's a good challenge. See it as a good, good challenge. It's hard, but it's so much more worth it in the end. Yeah. Anyways. And I feel like the biblical model of hospitality that we are talking about and trying to you know, dig into is this very, the very heart of what you just said. It's like, it's, it shouldn't be easy. It shouldn't just be comfortable because if, if hospitality was only comfortable, then it wouldn't be biblical. Like, I feel like if it was easy, then everyone would do it. And it would just be about like mutual love and, you know, and no, like we're talking about service and sacrifice. And often that comes when it's hard to love people and people are not going to return the favor or serve in return. And that's what Jesus did. Like he loved his enemy and dined with them and served them and washed their feet. And so that's so good. Going back to the garden, we're all created in his image and we have to recognize that even the people that we don't like. That's so good. So a little bit more of a lighthearted question, Ken's. What's an only in college type of story? I love love this. (laughs) Why do I feel like college was so long ago? So much life has happened in between. I know. Um, Okay, so the first thing that came to mind was, long story short, there was a a particular night in the spring semester where Bella and I hung out with another friend and went to mini golf and then we went to ice cream and then we came back to CBU and we thought we were just going to chill and be done. But you had to take a test, a marketing, like, I don't know, was it a final? Probably. Like, of some significance. And you're like, it's due at midnight, and it's like 10 p.m., so I'm going to go take this. And then, I forgot the test part. Yes. And so me and the other friend were walking around CBU for, like, an hour, and I barely knew him. It was a whole deal. And yeah, then we specified that it was a guy. Yeah, I didn't want to, but that wasn't an important detail. It was a guy that, oh, well, Bella was trying to set me up with. But anyway... <laughs> Um, that didn't work out, but it was fine. It was a fun evening. This is literally a highlight of college. It was like an only in college story. So Bella's taking her test. We're walking around CBU just chatting and then we're like, okay, Bella's done like 45 minutes later. We go back to her apartment and they're like, okay, I guess it's probably like 1030. We should go home. And, and Bella like drives him over to the parking garage where he had parked. And she's like, wait, do you have skateboards in your trunk? And he's like, yeah, duh. So he pulls out three skateboards and we're literally skateboarding down the parking garage ramp at like 1130 at night, blasting La La Land and dancing in the parking lot. I was like, what is happening? It was like, I don't, I don't even know. Like that was one of the most spontaneous chaotic nights of my college years. It was honestly so fun. Even though that whole thing didn't work out, it's okay. Cause that memory was like core. <laughs> First of all, why does this man have three skateboards in his car? <laughs> and the golf clubs and like spike ball and probably and razors. Yeah. I was like, bro, do you just carry a whole trapeze of outdoor activities in your car (laughs) i asked him about it he said i work in youth ministry so i have to be prepared for every situation (laughs) 
the man really is. So he was prepared for that. It was fun. Anyways, Bella, what's your oldie in college type story? Um, so many golf cart horror stories. Okay, to be fair, I have had the worst experiences with golf carts. I do not like golf carts. The last, the first time I was in a golf cart, my friend got sent to the hospital. He's okay. Second incident was in college. I was with my friend Gabby. We were driving around because we were working on our on-campus ministry, and I suggested that we take this ramp. Well, the golf cart was way bigger than the ramp was, and our golf cart got stuck. So we were trying to re- <laughs> we were trying to reverse the golf cart, but then go forward. But it just kept scratching the paint off this railing. It was freshly painted too, and we were screaming because we were going to be late. And then we were trying to call our other friend so that he could come and rescue us, but then he was in the middle of a quiz. So we were freaking out because we could not get out of this situation. And 45 minutes later, we finally backed the golf cart out over all of these curves. It was so bad. There was a railing that was barely left intact. And we continued on and did not tell our boss. And I felt so, <laughs> I felt so bad. I don't think she knows. No, I, I should. I'm, ta- I'm seeing her tomorrow. So I should probably mention it now that I don't work for her. Um... Hopefully she sees you before she listens to the episode. Yes. And then another golf cart story is when we were driving back to the office and the golf cart just died. And it kept jerking up and down and we had this massive hill that we had to go over. And so we pushed the golf cart up this hill and eventually made it back so we could charge the battery. Wow. Yes. Golf carts are not my thing. So there you go. I think it's a pretty good resume. Oh, yeah. Good track record. Love it. Anyways, on a more serious note, one person asked, I love hosting, but feeling like you should move? Is it God's calling? Hmm. Well, this is relatable because Bella and I, as you all know, if you've been listening along, we moved to Waco over the summer. We both thought we were going to be there for three months. I ended up being here longer. But either way, we we went into the summer knowing that this could be temporary and it's hard to know or feel confident in investing in the place that you're living when you're not sure how long you're going to be there. And I mean, this goes back to an episode we recorded in season one with our friend Morgan Durick. And that episode, I feel like impacted me more than anyone. And I there's a phrase or something that she was referring to. Um in her college ministry back home when she was still in college, her college pastor encouraged them all as they were about to graduate. He was like, root yourself like you're never going to leave. And whatever place God ends up leading you um, and that you find yourself in, root yourself like you're never going to leave. Meaning invest in those people and serve those people and love those people like you're never going to leave. Like those are going to be your people forever. And even if you do know you're going to leave, how sweet to see the Lord maximize that time and the impact you can have and those people can have on you in a short amount of time. So I would say yes, like it is definitely God's calling to practice hospitality in whatever season and stage of life that we're in, especially in transition seasons. Um, And I think too, like this probably is a young adult asking this, and I think it's such a common um, experience and a common reality of the young adult years that 
we just don't feel very settled and we don't feel certain about where our lives are going and where God's going to lead us next. Um, and so I would also encourage like with some biblical scripture to back that up as far as it got, being God's calling and, and will for our lives. First Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So, I mean, first of all, I love that, how scripture talks directly and commands hospitality. And it's so such a biblical um, command in its nature. But I think this verse helps us zoom out to the bigger picture of our lives and our place in the eternal story. And he remind, Peter reminds us that the end of all things is near, meaning this world is temporary. This season, this day, the place that we find ourselves in now is temporary. And the ultimate purpose and goal of hospitality is not to serve ourselves or to receive something in return. It's to love and serve others as if Jesus is coming back tomorrow. So I think when we get stuck in this um perspective of hospitality being just about what's serving me or what are people going how are people going to love me more or how what are people going to think of me it just it 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 makes hospitality um lose its eternal perspective and purpose so i would just say like we should be loving people in whatever place we're living in whatever season we're in um, whatever amount of time to live and serve them in light of eternity and not in light of where we're living today or tomorrow. Um, and in that we can root ourselves with the people God has for us today, like we're never going to leave. So you just might be surprised what God does with that and the impact he can maximize in that short amount of time. So hopefully that's encouraging. It comes from experience. Um, I know the most beautiful, awesome stories come from unexpected places so next question top three okay throwing us for a loop here we're gonna switch to a whole other topic that we're hesitant on talking about but also it's fun um top three qualities in a young man and the three worst qualities bella what are they (laughs) this question makes me laugh I love it. Your brave soul. Okay, I'm not going to answer the three qualities, but just a motto that my friends and I, gal pals, like to live by is, is he a hot mog? H-O-T-M-O-G, hot mog, humble, obedient, teachable, man of God. Yes, ma'am. Those are my... Humble, obedient, and teachable are the top three qualities. Yeah. That's good. I would also add... Someone that's really fun and, like, has a great personality. I think that's important. He can be humble, obedient, teachable, but if he's he has no personality, then, sorry. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, three worst qualities. I would say immature, mm. which people can interpret that different ways, but I'm sorry. There's a whole generation of men, boys, that are not mature. Two, um, distracted slash not being present. And three, they're just uninterested. Like, they don't give a rip. They don't ask questions. They kind of are just in their own world. They like talking about themselves. I'm sorry. That's just not attractive. Do you have anything to add? Really? 
really good red flags. So, yeah. If anyone knows, I'm just <laughs> put that out. <laughs> I'm like, if anyone knows of anyone that uh, uh -huh. is, are these three qualities, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Wow. So good, Kens. I highly agree with you. Okay. Switching gears again. This is so funny. How, Bella, do you balance private family time versus time with guests? And is it okay to say no to having people over? Great question. I'm learning this right now, living with my family. And something that I learned in SL is that it is okay to say no. Mm. And saying no is healthy. Because you don't want to overbook your schedule. You don't want to say yes to too many things where you're spreading yourself thin and you're unable to be fully present and give 100% in everything that you do. Um, and so for me, it's still figuring out how to find a good balance between family time, but also time with guests. And so I think understanding that for me, it's living at home. Okay, so I'm living with my youngest brother right now. And the last two years that I was in college, I wasn't living with him. And so in this season of life, trying to take advantage of the time that I do have with him and making sure that if that's once a week, you know, grabbing lunch with him or going to the beach or building a Lego set with him, I think prioritizing those times with him has been super important for me because I know that he's also leaving for college when he transfers in two years. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we don't, Tomorrow is not guaranteed, as James talks about, but understanding that it is valuable with the time that I have in this season with him. So mm -hmm. that's so sweet. I love saying that you get to spend so much time with him now. So, Ken's, how has this looked like in your life? Because I know you don't have any siblings, but what is the difference for you in this? Mm. Well, it definitely looks different than it did a couple months ago when I lived at home with my parents, but, um, now I think it looks like prioritizing my roommates, which I talked about earlier, respecting their space and time, um, at home. And then also this question makes me think of how we can like to the point where we can prioritize community to a fault sometimes where we're trying to fill our schedules with all the people and all the commitments and all the things. And maybe we even, commit to hosting too many things between whether it's church group or dinner parties or just one-on-one -on -one time with friends like maybe you're that type of person that could just easily overcommit and overhost. um which doesn't sound like a bad thing we're like yes all the community great but um this last week I was at young adult at my church and they were doing a Q&A panel on community and one of the gals who I highly respect love her to death she's so wise she was talking directly about this and that she's one of those people who loves community, prioritizes it, but almost to a fault, it just overcommits, says yes to too many things. And she realized, she quoted a verse in Ecclesiastes that talks about how the, you know, the relationship of, of people is great and there's great reward. Um, and I'm butchering how to paraphrase that, but basically how there's great reward in community but the point of, or the reward itself is not community. The reward is Christ and Jesus. 
And the goal and the purpose of community is to point each other towards Christ. And so when we start to frame community around, well, the end goal is just community. It's just to spend more time with people. It's to fill my cup, to be more happy because of people around me. But then we're missing the point because if we're so overcommitted that we're not even seeing Christ in the equation, we're starting to idolize community and it's a dangerous thing. We need that balance of great people in our lives and events and hosting and all the things, but making sure that those things are life-giving and pointing us towards the goal, which is Christ. So I that was convicting to me and really encouraging at the same time. So yeah, that's kind of what it looks like in this season. Anyways, this was so fun. Thank you all for coming along and listening and asking great questions. I mean, maybe we could do another one in the future if you all enjoy this. Thank you so much, everyone, for asking the Q's while we bring the A's. And we are so excited to see you guys next week. Until then, remember, you're always invited.